Namaskara. This is Varsha Nadek and you're listening to the Live and Learn Goal podcast. Welcome. My guest today is Sumana Chandrasekhar. Sumana is an accomplished ghatam player, a Carnatic singer and the head of program at India Foundation for the Arts in Bangalore. She is a delightful person to talk to about all things, especially art and music. She has rich experience working with artists both known and undiscovered. She has a wonderful view of what art means and how artists can be supported. She is also my high school friend. We were in school together for 2 years and after a long gap met again as adults and found that we could continue from where we left off. I'm fortunate to call her my friend and there is much to learn from her especially sense of curiosity, integrity, kindness and humility. I enjoyed talking to her and hope you will too. Let's listen. Sumana, thank you so much for doing this. It's been in the works for some time. and finally we are here why don't we start with my favorite story that you've told to me recently about how you met your uh, guru and then we'll go on to how did you get here where did you grow up and all of that thank you so much this is so exciting to be here with you and after so many years we've been together in school and after that to um, come back to uh, um this kind of uh, of a chat is is really exciting for me today yeah i am a musician i'm mostly a ghatam player these days i used to be a singer earlier and i've trained for uh, over 20 years as a carnatic classical singer but now i think um, i'm more of a ghatam player than a singer so it's quite a, um you know this this story really gives me goosebumps talking about how i met my my guru uh it was sometime around 2008 you know i've been i always had this connection with music and i i was already performing as a singer but sometime around middle of 2008 i started feeling you know um, that my fingers were moving i would wake up in the middle of the night feeling i'm uh, uh, i i feeling i'm hearing these sounds of the ghatam particularly and i have no idea why it was the ghatam of course i have seen the ghatam as part of carnatic classical concerts and but i don't remember feeling any special kind of attraction to the ghatam at any point but this started happening in 2008 and i didn't know what was happening whether i was hallucinating or what was happening no idea i just let it be for some uh, some time but this feeling only started growing in me you know just hearing sounds of the clay pot being played and i would wake up in the middle of the night feeling i'm playing this it was really surreal and then i discussed this with my friends i discussed it with my um, my vocal music teacher and uh, they all said look if your heart is telling you something you should just go for it my only thing was you know if i commit to something i should be able to give it my um, my time my energy everything and i wasn't sure at that point if i would be able to give so much commitment to start completely learning a new thing because at that point i was already working so i was in a big dilemma but this feeling wouldn't go away i said okay fine let me give it a shot even if it's you know i do it for 3 months 2 months and i don't feel like continuing it it's still okay then i started looking for a guru now i needed somebody to teach me the thing about classical music is often people start learning at a very young age right and if you all have to learn something new especially if you have to learn a percussion instrument um then normally you are asked to learn the mridangam first and then you learn the ghatam but here i was i wanted to learn basics of ghatam directly and not go through the mridangam because that was not the passion that i was coming from so i didn't know what to do and of course i could not go to any big teacher and say can you teach me abc of of rhythm and so on so this happened for another few months and i was again going through a lot of conflict within me who could who to go to who will be this teacher and so at that point what i would do is um just go sit quietly in concerts and observe ghatam players you know so 
I would just go attend concerts in Bangalore and look at different uh, people and say, maybe this is my guru. And I did have the intention of, of going and asking them, would they teach me? Which is why I would go quietly listen to them in concerts. And there I saw uh, my guru Sukanya Ram Gopal ma'am in concerts. Of course, I had seen her many, many, many times earlier when uh, uh, you know I was a student of music even back then. But now I started seeing her and I really literally saw the Ghatam was a baby in her lap and the way she played it, the way she was interacting with this uh, instrument. I said, my God, here is that this is it. If I learn ever, then it has to be from her. Once I had decided, then I went into another sort of uh, question. Uh, she's, of course, a highly, highly accomplished artist. And how could I go up to her and say, will you teach me basics? Um, and I, at that time, I didn't even know how much my, my commitment would last. Maybe I'll just do it for two, three months and give it up. Then, um, so again, I delayed for a very long time. Then there, was, uh, there were a couple of my friends and also my brother, my family, and of course, my vocal music teacher who all prodded me and said, just give it a shot. What is the worst that can happen? She'll say no. At that point, we'll see. So I picked up the phone. I took all the courage. I picked up the phone. I called her and said, uh, ma'am, can I learn from you? She said, of course, you can come. So I went to her and uh, I had, my, when I remember my first class, I still have goosebumps. I uh, started my class and I was so thrilled that day. Second, next day I went for my second class and I could see that she had tears in her eyes. I said, what happened? She said um, something that's still ringing in my ears. She said, uh, for 35 years, I was waiting for my, for a female student. You know, it, this is the story and I feel like we found each other. That's it. It, it was almost like both of us were looking, uh, were, were waiting to find each other. And that's the moment. <laughs> yeah probably this is why in ancient times or even now because you are an example here you go in search of gurus you want to learn from the person you want to learn and somehow it has to be it's like a counselor client uh, sort of relationship if you are going for therapy if you don't find a proper or a good therapist you will not gel but this is amazing. I love this story. <laughs> and it's got so much meaning. And the best part is that even your guru felt the same. As a student, I think it must be amazing for you to hear from her. Yeah, it's an absolutely thrilling thing. And even when I recount this story, you know, every time I do it, I really feel goosebumps. But before you became a accomplished player, uh, there's a long journey. So why don't you recount where you grew up or where did you study and how did you get here? So I've always, um, Bangalore has been my home for a very long time. I was born in Bangalore. I grew up in Bangalore. I did my very early schooling in Baroda, though, which has had a very huge influence on me. So I love Gujarati food. And Gujarati was the first language that I ever learned as a kid, even before I learned Kannada. So, so certain things about that place are really very dear to me. Even now, I feel very nostalgic about Baroda. But anyway, much of my um, later, my uh, schooling happened in Bangalore. I was here till class seventh. I studied in Kamal Convent in Jainagar. And then uh, came this opportunity for um, my dad to work in Dandeli. So we moved to Dandeli and I did my high school and my PU in Dandeli. I must say that those are the five golden years of my life. I wouldn't be what I am today if that uh, that stint in Dandeli did not happen. And of course, we met in Dandeli. <laughs> so uh, that's been a beautiful, beautiful journey. Maybe if there's an opportunity, I'll talk about Dandeli and what it means to me um, in a later at a later point in this podcast. But yeah, so after Dandeli, I came back to Bangalore. I finished my college here in uh, MES College and I studied the arts. So uh, in PU, uh, there was quite a bit of pressure from my lecturers who wanted me to take up science. But then I was very clear that I wanted to study the arts. I came to Bangalore and I pursued my arts. Then I did a master's in economics from the Mysore University. 
and uh, the thing is i always uh, was sort of um, groomed to to get into civil service so even from my school days my high school days there was always this idea that okay you will become an ias officer and and it was in my head to train towards that probably because my grandfather used to be an ias officer and there was always this family thing that you know okay she is also going to become one and maybe i did show some promise at that time to become an ias officer anyway i was training towards that and this is also one of the reasons why i did a masters in economics and after that i started training to get into civil service i did all the classes that were necessary and finally i got my hall ticket and everything happened parallelly of course i still kept my music going on because music was something i started training when i was 7 and i kept that training going on with all my school and college education that had never stopped so the day i got my hall ticket i remember i was standing in the puja room and i said god will you please help me take the right decision today i tore the hall ticket <laughs> and i said no this is not the this is really not what i want to do i don't want to be in a position where you know get into and in, get enmeshed in politics and this and that i said no maybe there's something else and i at that point i still didn't know what i was going to do but i knew that i really wanted to work in the arts and be closer to a world that my heart is in um so that decision was a milestone decision and after that i started um i was writing reviews music reviews for leading publications and then i worked very briefly as a business analyst like for a 3 month 3 month stint in an organization in an economics business analyst and then i got into india foundation for the arts where i've been working even now you are a well traveled person now your music takes you to all the places but you mentioned so far that baroda left an impact dandeli was very impactful i remember when you came from bangalore to dandeli my first impressions were that first of all this person from a bigger city has come to a small town like small but beautiful town like dandeli and you bought so much honestly you bought so much energy there were i think the things you did in every day in school gave us different perspective because for us it was a small town and the same group of people but since you you had this perspective living in a different city i felt or at least i saw things were which were aspirational not only music because until then i didn't know anybody who was so consistent and passionate about music that you would go to another town to learn music i think twice a week i'm sure your parents have a big role in for you helping you to keep that up and maybe uh, please speak about your parents role i think we'll get to it a little later but yes speak about how you felt when you came to dandeli and what was it like coming back from you know a bigger city so the first thing is i think i'm never a city person i'm always a small town person and even now i identify as a small town small town person i am not comfortable in a city i'm not comfortable in large spaces with lots of people that's not where i belong i'm a very forest dweller kind of person and i think dandeli was a perfect place for me it didn't feel for me that you know i was leaving this big city and coming into a really small town which had two schools and you had to choose between one school or the other and because i don't know because maybe i studied in a convent earlier it was just automatic for me to get into st michael's convent in dandeli so coming there was absolutely home for me absolutely there's no question about that although a lot of my classmates in in 8th uh, standard when i joined did look at me like okay who is this alien creature coming you know she has i had different habits like i would bring a basket to school which had my lunch bag and so on so these were not things that that my uh, my uh, friends usually did in that class but there were certain habits that maybe were seen as city habits and i brought them all into the school but i was very comfortable um and slowly i think i i i got accepted into my into those surroundings although i had always embraced it the moment i set foot in dandeli i think i'd embraced that entire place one thing that i see around me today is when children go to school they normally go to a school that their friends and classmates 
come from similar or same socioeconomic classes. And uh, there's very little opportunity for them to really engage with diversity. But Dandeli is such a special place. First of all, it's cosmopolitan. Um, and because there, there's only one or two schools in the entire town, no matter who you are, everybody has to just go to those two schools. And this gave us such an important, such a rich opportunity to uh, have friends who came from different kinds of backgrounds, economic backgrounds, social backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, religious backgrounds. And we got an opportunity, I think, to understand different people uh, very intimately and engage and, and be appreciative of all the backgrounds that they came from. That is something special and it's not really something that children would normally uh, experience. So I think that experience of diversity and appreciating each other's points of view is such an important part of any child's education, which is why I think um, in any kind of work that I do, whether it's in the arts, it's in my music, my professional life, there's um, not a single day that I wake up without thinking of this lovely place. And of course, because it's an entirely um, a forested area, that's also something that is very close to my heart and my whole um, understanding of nature, my connect with nature, everything blossomed in that Delhi, I would say. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, I have similar thoughts about Dandeli, small town, forest. Even now when we go on vacation, if it's a place where there are there is a lot of forest, the, those are the best vacations other than a beach place. And what you mentioned about being in an environment where there are people of all economic stratas, it's always an education. It's a, it's a very important education. You learn so many things. And like you said, it, it follows throughout your life. You are very conscious. You apply what you learn when you are uh, that young. Moving on from there, uh, one of the important things, like you mentioned, you started learning music since you were seven. That was one of the first things I noticed when you joined our school, that you would go to this other town to learn music. So what role do, did your parents play in that? And in general, if you can talk about what role do parents or family or in your family, what is their role in nurturing this artistic environment? How do you develop a love for arts? How do you sustain it? Because it's very easy to give up on arts because everything else is priority and arts is like the lowest of priority not anymore thankfully there is a lot of potential in arts as well but back then yeah yeah so um there had been some amount of music i must say in the family my my grandparents had quite a bit of training in music my grandmother my paternal grandmother was a violinist and my maternal grandmother also sang beautifully and apparently she learned the veena and the harmonium um, when she was very young. But, you know, then back then women had fewer opportunities to perform. And once they got married, they had to stop their lessons. And um, obviously there was no opportunity to take it any further. Um, but anyway, there was a, a kind of love for music, an inclination towards the arts and so on. My parents actually never trained in music, but they had great, great love for the arts, great love for music. Um, so, which is why I think they got both me and my brother Saitya just to, um, to start learning when we were really young. I started when I was seven and my brother started when he was six. So both of us just, there was no option for us. We were just thrown into the water and we learned to swim. That's how music began. There's no special agenda, no kind of um, a very strict regimen saying, now you must do it. You must become a great musician. Nothing of that sort. We were just sent to class and we learned singing. That's, that's how it all started. And what I would really say is, about my parents especially were was that you know they never gave up whether it's class seven you've got your board exams you've got 10 standard you've got pu no excuse you have to go to music class you have to do your practice there's no way you can give up on that and uh, they were also my because my dad was a fabulous uh, cricket player and he would say it's okay you you have your exams tomorrow but five to seven you're not going to stay at home you just go out and play or you go to your music class or you do something else you're not going to study 
at some points you know it used to be very frustrating for me as a child there were days and i didn't want to practice and so on but of course there have been lapses not like i practice every single day of my childhood but there was always a kind of uh, encouragement and a push and sometimes even a little bit of uh, what should i say a little bit of chiding from my parents who said nothing doing you just have to practice there is no other escape so um, on some days out of love i practice on some days because of because i was forced to practice i practice but now i see the value of all that you know uh and it was so important to have that kind of uh, a, a very loving push i would say uh to keep this going on because now you realize that okay when it's become part of a part of the work that you do and secondly it's also it's just your companion it's just there for you all the time and what the time and energy and effort that has gone into into this in the early years i think pays off for sure so um, while we were in dandeli for instance like you were saying um, my parents didn't want to give up on our music classes because there was nobody there who taught carnatic music uh, dharwad belgam and all these regions had a lot of hindustani music for sure but at that point we didn't want to change the path so there was nobody teaching carnatic music except for one person who used to live in Dand uh, in ganeshgudi and uh, she was actually from mysore and her husband worked in the kpc in ganeshgudi so we were just uh, sent to classes to her and she was very sweet she saw to it that our music uh, she preserved our music and she uh, helped us build very slowly on what we had already learned not allowing that music to stagnate and that was so important at that point otherwise easily five years we would have stopped singing you know but sarvamangala auntie kept this music going for us and then my parents decided you know when i finished um, my second pu and my brother had finished his class 7 they said you know we just have to go back to bangalore because the music is going to suffer there was no uh, way of getting any advanced training in music in that place so my dad decided to resign and he came back to bangalore uh, all for music and my, so i think my parents sacrificed a lot they um, they did all that they could everything that was in within their reach to see that this connection between music became stronger and stronger for us and um, yeah that's there's like i don't know I, how to else to express it but i i just have immense gratitude for them for this can i add one more story so there's another very important thing that i think is so important during the the development of a child and this is a children's library that i went to so um, you know 10 houses away from our house when we stayed in jainagar in bangalore there was ratnam aunty who was running a children's library and at i think i must have been 5 or 6 and uh, my parents just sent me to the library and ratnam aunty also was a carnatic music teacher so that's how she started me off on classes so i started my basic training with her and for the next 7 years all my basic carnatic music lessons were from her but the beauty of this place was that first of all it was a library which had beautiful beautiful books um only for children and she she got a lot of books from from outside the country which in those days was really a big deal right so um every time she had friends or family go to the us or the uk she got she asked them to get a lot of children's books and those were all stacked up in the library so i remember i would just go to the library i was given the task of maintaining registers even when i was 8 years 9 years old i was keeping catalogs of books i was uh, entering names of new collections um, i was keeping records of who has borrowed a book who has returned a book um library fees which was like something like 5 rupees or something uh i did all of that and in the middle of that i would take a music lesson i would learn how to tune a tanpura then i would go back to the library look up some music book i had to take notes um do some theory of music and show it to auntie auntie will take a nap in the afternoon and by the time she's back 
I had to make some notes and show her. So, you know, I grew up with books and colors and music and uh, toys all around me, all in the space of the library. So today, my whole understanding of music and the arts is not, it's not blinkered. It, it goes everywhere. It's from colors to music, to visual art, to theater, to dance. Everything is so connected. And I think, again, that experience, it's so uh, uh, rounded, you know, that experience. That again played a very, very important role in, um, uh, of course, in my musical journey, but also in shaping me as a person today. That explains a lot because the combination of books and uh, music and other things thrown in, well, it was inevitable, I suppose, that <laughs> you would not only uh, become a musician yourself, but also, uh, you know, somehow find uh, your passion and your job, so to say, in the field of arts. So that leads nicely to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, India Foundation for the Arts. If you can talk about what it is and uh, what's your role there and, and later on, what are the benefits and challenges of running institutions? So um, I, I said earlier that I worked for three months as a business analyst and, and right after that, I got an opportunity to apply to India Foundation for the Arts and I got through and I've been in uh, the IFA for about 13, 14 years now. Um, India Foundation for the Arts was set up in 1993 and we, it's a grant making and a project implementation organization for exclusively for the arts. So uh, we support projects and we implement projects in research, practice, education in the arts across India. Um, one of the reasons that the IFA was set up at that point is that, you know, there was the state which was supporting a lot of classical arts. And then on the other hand, you had the market, you had the commercial corporations who were supporting the commercial kind of art production, which is Bollywood based or anything that could uh, that could bring money but there was a hole in the middle of all this uh, there was a wide gap uh, in that there were a lot of artists who wanted to do experimental stuff who did not uh, specifically fall into the area of the classical or they were not doing the commercial kind of work they were doing work that was uh, very reflective uh, very experimental and they wanted to try out new things and there was no space for that kind of work in India at that point. So um, the IFA was set up in order to um, fill that gap and at that time any kind of funding for the arts was coming from these bigger trusts which were linked to the other companies. So you had the Tata Trust or you had any of these corporate houses who had their own foundation or, or you had family foundations. But there was no independent organization um, uh, that a not-for-profit not organization that was supporting the arts. And that was what IFA became. So uh, as an independent professional not-for-profit organization, IFA has been supporting research practice and uh, education in the arts across India. So far, we have supported more than 650 projects across the country. And uh, we do it through various channels. You know, we, we partner with government for education projects. We uh, partner with museums and archives. So through various kinds of strategies, um, we enable artistic projects across the country. Uh, challenge is huge because uh, we are a not-for-profit organization. We have to continuously raise funds to support the work that we do. So although we are giving out funds, we need to be raising funds in order to be able to give out. And nobody gives to the arts. Arts is the last priority. You know, you have health, you have education and so on. And down the ladder is the arts because you go to somebody and ask for money, people are like why do I have to give money to somebody who wants to sit at home and paint you know but that's a, the idea of the arts being an extracurricular is so much ingrained in the society that we don't think that it is part of what we what a society should be doing it's always an additional thing it's always extracurricular so uh, raising money for the arts is a huge challenge but at the same time if you are looking at what organizations like this can do it's immense because we are looking at culture and culture is all about what people are so 
in a way we are sort of supporting people to be the people that they are to to express themselves to to express their own cultures in ways that they want to represent so actually a society cannot survive without the arts and that's what the ifa has been supporting and the arts do need support because that's the first thing that will get kicked out uh, of anything you know the moment there's a shortage of funds let's say uh, for instance um i the other day i was coming across a school and uh, they wanted to expand their science and math section and the first thing that got shut down was the music department so they just because they just wanted another classroom space so this happens with music teachers this happens with dance or art teachers and every time there is a free period you call in a music teacher or an art teacher to fill that space because they are treated like you know they're just there to fill up the main subjects are science and maths this is just there additionally i think that mindset needs to completely go and to understand that the arts is very much part of your learning as important as maths or science so um yeah so that's and and because it gets chopped off so easily for lack of funds or or other um, agendas i think all the more reason why the arts need support the irony is that there is so much talent in our country i mean you watch any reality show okay they are more focused on music and dance but there are, there are so many examples of a little bit of uh, help has led to a talent blossom and a little more focus on arts will probably make so much of a difference and the irony really we cannot i mean every other show you see there are such good dancers singers artists you go to any exhibition you go to any art uh, uh, event and you see there is so much talent and like you mentioned the most important thing is art makes you reflect it's it's the closest i think among all the subjects is <laughs> something that's one way to express yourself and it brings you the closest you learn so much so in in your work you said there are a lot of uh, these experimental projects there are so many artists you would have met from somebody who's obscure who we haven't heard of but you've had probably the best experience meeting them if you can talk about some of the interactions you've had over the years yeah sure yeah several artists that i met because of my music there are several legendary masters i've been uh, starstruck by their artistry and also because of the work i do i have been uh, i have had the opportunity to meet a lot of artists across the country it's really been a very gratifying experience it it would be you know for me uh, really difficult to pick out and say which of the artists but i think i'll specifically talk about two artists uh, two or three maybe artists that i really hold as very inspiring among the galaxy of people that i've uh, been able to meet so um, i would specially like to remember this fabulous fabulous dancer contemporary dancer asta debu who unfortunately we lost last year i think yeah it's it's about a year he was one of india's finest contemporary dancers what i loved about him is you know this this i he he was trained in the classical dances he studied kathakali and a few other indian classical dances but he went on to become a contemporary dancer and that journey from being a purely con- classical dancer to becoming a contemporary dancer and how he actually married the two without sort of saying okay this is classical and this is contemporary he just brought the two forms into his body so beautifully and the discipline with which he worked towards that the journey he has had it's absolutely inspiring the hard work that has gone into it and how almost single handedly he created a form um, that is so unique that is so inspirational and that is so important for every single dancer in india today so that was astad um who i very fondly call as ustad and he was he was and even as a human being was such a wonderful person so that's somebody i really take inspiration from and uh, of course all my folk musician friends in rajasthan which i've had i've been to so often and i've got so many of these mangani r and meer musicians as my friends who are you know 
the word for them is bindas like there's no kind of constraints no thing about and especially for me as a classical musician who is used to working within a certain grammar within a certain structure my engagement with folk music enabled me to see it from a completely different side where there's you just throw your voice you throw your emotions um your passion everything comes into play so beautifully i'm not suggesting that there is no structure in folk arts of course there is but the way they deal with it and the liberties they take with it is absolutely magical and the fact also what was interesting for me is you know here every child who can sing one or two lines is portrayed as a as a prodigy uh, and now with social media you know how uh, these things happen but there you see that every child is a prodigy and they are just singing away they are just happily making music um it's delightful and there's deep sense of sincerity in and the uh, and devotion to the art which was which has been very very uh, inspiring for me and every time i'm stuck with something i want to play something and something is not going right i just have to think of them and the sense of freedom that it gives me when i think of their music that is enough to help me get over my roadblock so they are uh, again inspiration and my third biggest inspiration within the field of carnatic music is tm krishna i cannot tell you what a great great influence krishna has been on uh, my music and on the way i think as a musician so he's truly one of those radical revolutionary musicians and um, i've had the opportunity to interact with him several times and everything that he says or he writes has been really motivating yeah yeah i'm sure you have many many more such stories and maybe it will take another podcast to touch upon a lot of these but since we have to cover a lot of ground i'm just moving on to the next one and so the next one is a combination of like five questions but it's a longer question since you are an artist i would like to know a few aspects of art so one is what makes art popular is it somebody's devotion somebody's uh, effort perseverance for a long time somebody let's say classical musician who works at it for a long time is it somebody who just has a beautiful voice or can paint a really nice picture and so you you like them is there a need to popularize it or should it grow organically which has been the case so far but with social media with a lot of these platforms on the television and otherwise people become popular overnight uh, their talent is showcased but uh, is there something to uh, an artist working at their art for a long period of time uh, how do you or maybe we'll take these two questions now and then we'll get to the next two that i want see for me uh, popular art is really art of the people of the larger masses anything that touches your heart it could be a bollywood song it could be any other film song it could be just a tapanguchi song that or a, or even a funeral drumming you know which which really gets you dancing in a way all this is popular why is it popular because it it goes straight into your heart because there's you make an instant connection with that it doesn't require um any education any literacy in that form you just listen to it or you just see a piece of work like i'm seeing this lovely gond painting in your house today you just feel instantly connected to it so that is popular art popularizing art is something else where you where you put in an effort and you want to make something you want to reach it to more number of people there's no uh, there's nothing wrong with doing that because um there are some of these art forms which really need um some kind of engagement from the audience right yeah. so for them to be able to get a taste of this as an artist it, it becomes my responsibility to take the art to them to take 10 steps towards uh, the audience and say Hey, listen this is something beautiful maybe you'll enjoy it come take a look at this or come listen to this music it's important for for uh, me as an artist to do that 
and for, for the artist community. Nothing wrong in popularizing it that way, but without thrusting that on to the audience, without saying that this is the best thing you will ever hear. Or, you know, with the classical arts, there's always this thing about, oh, this is better than folk news. This is the high art. You should be listening to this music. No, that's not. You just take your music to people and people will choose what they want. There's somebody who really connects well with folk music. It's okay. There's somebody who will um, understand classical music and they will want to connect with it. That's fine. So, but the point is you make that access available to them. You make it open for them and don't close uh, access to it. I think that's important for us, especially as classical musicians or classical artists of any genre. It's important to do, do that. That's true, especially with language. Art has no language. A folk music, uh, I mean, a folk song, a Rajasthani folk song, for example. Again, we don't understand anything, but something stirs up when you listen to it. I've been listening to Sid Sriram. Yeah. I don't understand Telugu, but after listening to his songs, uh, his most popular songs, start humming and then you start appreciating music. You start appreciating the artist. So music has no language. Art has uh, other forms of art, for example, a sculpture. You see a lot of things, but a sculpture once in a while might catch your attention and it just starts making you think. So popular or not, it connects. And like I think you put it very nicely, if something connects, connects with you then it's it's something worth exploring also how do you make it accessible yes classical music is difficult and it's difficult for a reason or rather not difficult but it's 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 unique for a reason you have to work towards it it's like solving a difficult problem and you have you can only solve a problem when you go at it like 10 times and then it also has that uh, quality where classical music uh, musicians or music there is no okay i've arrived you learn at it you still you told me you still take classes where you are accomplished you already you've performed with your guru you perform solo but still you take classes so there's something to learn throughout your life through this classical music and at the same time I think I feel sometimes that maybe the audience also needs to make an effort yes there is a lot of things that classical musicians can do but at the same time what are we as an audience trying to do it is our culture it is there since centuries a song which was sung or a instrument that was played 300 years ago is still being played so what is our responsibility how do we go and look at it if something even if you don't like let's say you find it difficult you don't understand what is our responsibility as an audience what do you think how do you think an audience should approach music yeah that's a great question really like i said as artists it becomes our responsibility to open up access and to welcome and invite audience into our space I think it would be nice if the audience also takes five steps. If the artist has taken 10 steps towards the audience, then audience takes at least five steps towards the artist and say, hey, I don't understand what you're doing, but can I just take some time and try and see what it is? They may still not like it at the end of it, which is perfectly fine, but at least make an attempt and see. And it could be any artist. It could be the... Um, the, the Nadaswaram player who's playing on the streets and comes to your gate. Can you appreciate that and say, okay, this guy has been playing it for the last eight generations, right? And there's so much music in, maybe this music is not good today, but there is something, or maybe it is fantastic, whatever. But whether you like it or not is a completely different thing. But I think audiences should make that effort to understand and engage with what the artist is doing and no matter who that artist is it could be a classical artist it could be a folk artist it could be anybody or even somebody who is singing in films any artist look at their journey look at the efforts that have gone into making them what they're doing today that would be important from the side of the artist from the side of the audience 
so along the same lines when we talk about our culture culture is a big subject but what is our culture we we say you know um, this is our culture when we say when we see we you know join our hands and greet somebody that's our culture bollywood music is our culture even even today there are people who say oh 60s music was better 70s music was better but uh, it is our culture so how do we define if if you want to attempt to define culture what is our culture how do we shape our culture i mean our generation and the next generation how do we make it make it uh, something that is rich which sustains its uh, legacy of you know our culture has been rich there are the best parts of our culture are something it's a gift to civilization and humanity so how do we promote it so the first thing is i would prefer to use the word cultures because there is no such thing uh, as a monolithic culture everything is cultures our foods are different kind of foods like your family might have been used to a certain food culture somebody else in your same family has another tradition of cooking right so even within the same family we will never find the same food culture when such is the case and especially in a country like india which is so so rich in uh, in all kinds of yeah. cultures from from dressing to food to uh, to languages to attires to everything every 5 kilometers or every 10 kilometers your food changes your colors change the landscape changes i think it's important to understand that this is a country that's made up of many cultures and there is nothing to say that this only belongs to me because the country has embraced has absorbed has assimilated so many cultures and made it its own like a salam is my culture a namaste is my culture um or a bowing down is my culture it's all part of part of me so uh, it becomes so important not to define our identities very narrowly and say okay i belong to this sort of community and this only is mine but to open yourself and say look at the the diversity that exists in india and let me take everything at the same time also be true to who you are you needn't or we needn't give up a sense of our own identities we are proud of what we are we proud of what has what has been handed down to us in our own individual capacities at the same time we also appreciate and, and uh, respect diversity around us especially when working with with children this generation or with young adults i think it's important for them to see this country as a country of diverse cultures that alone is the way i think forward uh, to enable an understanding of what we are as people that is important that gives them a sense of rootedness a sense of identity a sense of pride all the things that uh, you know just school education is not going to give us yeah. and uh, i think this is what we must and because you're saying cultures therefore the arts become so important because the arts are what carry this culture and again the arts are so diverse like the cultures that they that they take forward so the arts and culture becomes so important to um, to enrich every person's life and therefore we need that therefore we need that appreciation of diversity everywhere i think that is what we must be working on rather than just leaving everything to school education to take care of because it will not yeah <laughs> what is art then i mean if you had to define simply what is art because all of us uh, or rather most of us use art in some form or other right what would you say to somebody who wants to make it their profession who wants to pursue it seriously who probably has a day job but wants to pursue you know different kinds of artistic inclinations how what would you tell them so there's uh, this beautiful saying which i hold very dear to my heart that art is something that should comfort the disturbed and it should disturb the comfortable comfortable right uh, and the more and more i think about it i think that's uh, it's something that that opens different layers and i i really feel this is the purpose of the arts it should be we all know that you know the arts comfort the disturbed is is something that we are all aware of when you are feeling really 
uh, low, then all you want to do is listen to a BTS or listen to some song that will pep you up. That is a line that we, we commonly understand. But why should art disturb the comfortable? Because it is the arts that will make you question. It, it is the arts that give you the strength to see, to see for yourself and to see whether you believe in something truly, to understand, to analyze, to be critical of something. It's the arts which gives you that, that power to question. And as a society, um, we need that more and more because we can't be a herd of people that are just blindly following things that are given to us in any sphere. It could be education, it could be politics, it could be anywhere. If we need people who will stand up speak truthfully, uh, speak truth to power and question the things, whether they are right or wrong and analyze for themselves. That is something that the arts will give because it has that quality to, to make you reflect, to make you think, to make you become critical of everything uh, around you. Uh, it's important. So this is what the arts must be doing really. And both of these go hand in hand. If as an artist, I am only you know, soothing people, then I'm not doing my job fully. I should be able to do the opposite as well. And therefore, for me, the purpose of my music is both these. And that's something that I, I strive for. You've traveled outside, outside the country, either to perform or to your foundation. What has the response been? What have you heard people say about our culture, our art? What do they have to say? And what have you seen also when you travel outside about their culture? Yeah, undoubtedly, there's immense respect for, um, for the art and culture that is born in this country. Because it's so nuanced, it is so complex, whether it's music, it's the visual arts, it's dance, it's so layered and complex. There's a sense of awe. There's always this sense of wowness about everything that is coming from India, which, you know, you, you go out and you feel really nice about being who you are, about the art you bring to people. It gives you a really nice feeling. Having said that, these have also become uh, opportunities for me to look at their art and culture traditions and say, actually, all of them are so unique and precious. On one hand, of course, there is this feeling that, you know, I really come from this really rich culture and so on. But at the same time, it's not a feeling that puts down other people's cultures. It's actually a feeling that where, again, you, you reach out to them and say, hey, you know, actually, there's, there is a kind of a flow and a continuum between what I'm doing and you're doing. And especially, this comes out so nicely when we're doing musical collaborations. We are actually looking at the same concept or the same musical idea, but approaching it from different angles. But what a lot of artists from, from outside India appreciate about, about Indian music is the complexity and the beautiful layers that are there in it, which we also, once you start engaging with another form of music, you will see the same that, that even that is, it may look very simple on the outside, but it is so layered. So the, the understanding that you know, you're actually able to build bridges. You're actually able to see that everything is sort of connected and flowing one out of the other, one into the other. That's the beauty of, of looking at everything as part of this, everything that humankind has created, actually. I was reading this book about Pandit Ravi Shankar and how he single-handedly popularized the sitar. Uh, Ustad Zakir Hussain is another example where he's so down to earth he makes it look as if he's just another student still but he's popularized it in a way that it's not it's not something very difficult but it's it's accessible uh, appreciate it get involved in it uh, understand it so likewise can you talk about other people who you might know who have popularized our art like that there are I'm sure there are so many dancers, artists, Shona Narayan. There are so many of these people. So if you have a few more examples of... Like Actually, I think um, you've mentioned a lot of legends. And there was a time in, in uh, the Indian art scene when the Indian classical arts especially were looked upon as, the, as cultural treasures. 
only the classical arts and therefore classical musicians from india became cultural ambassadors and so on and there's this whole distinction between the folk musicians and the classical musicians and the ways in which they became representatives of culture and so on of course all the masters there are too many to name and you named some of them already but i think today it's what is happening is really interesting we live in a uh, we live in an almost uh, borderless world uh, with the internet and social media so in a way we don't know who is becoming ambassador for what at the same time everybody is is an ambassador in their own sense so i think all of us in some way whether it's a very young person who is just singing a couple of lines or it is an ustad their their reach is really throughout the world so in a world like that i it's 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 it's, a, it's an interesting time for us to look at what ambassadors mean and so on so i think therefore it becomes an even greater responsibility to be to to look at what is the kind of art that one is putting out there yeah. i'm not to say that not to, i'm not saying that one has to censor uh, any artist you have to censor yourself and be conscious of what you put but the fact that each of us uh has the potential to become ambassadors in our own way and we are influencers in our own circles we have our own um set of uh, following which is outside the borders of india so what does all that mean it's just interesting to think of all these yeah. uh things now so we'll wrap up with the last uh, couple of questions you've mentioned what art means to you but how does it affect you when you are in different let's say moods or you are going through different phases uh, you are in different places how does it affect you you said it is like a companion for life and that's such a great thing you can so for something to fall back on so if you can describe what its role is in your life i have a mixed response to this actually of course the work that i do the people i meet the friendships i make it's all in some way anchored in me being a musician and uh, being connected to different arts in some form or the other and whole my whole outlook to life everything is sort of powered by the arts if i can say so so it's truly a companion um and it's something that i love to do um when i am alone um not necessarily music it could be reading it could be writing it could be just using my paint brushes or whatever so when i say art it it is not limited to music alone so there is any kind of or even just looking and observing nature uh, looking at a line of ants is also it's because see for me the arts is not about a form only it's not about doing my music my practice and that's it no what does the arts Uh, do which is more important than that it makes you a curious person it makes you a lifelong learner you look at something and you're constantly curious about it and that i think is uh, that's what i mean when i say it's a constant companion because no moment is boring nothing is uh, ever without any excitement so even when you have to uh, sit in a bus stand waiting endlessly for a bus to come you enjoy like i enjoy watching people and their reactions i build stories about them where they must be coming from maybe i don't know what their stories are but in my head there's a whole fiction that is going on about what so there's there's never a dull moment in life with the arts and i think that is exactly what um i really feel all children are able to access that that kind of curiosity about life and an interest in people an interest in in everything like a plant or this cup of water everything can be exciting everything can be connected you can for instance i can look at water um, maybe as a as science I look at it as physics i look at it as chemistry i look at it as a mathematical proportion i'll see what what musical notes a cup of water can produce so there are so many ways in which a mundane cup of water can so i think that's uh, that that's something really important that's something that makes me say that it is a companion for life um all right so last question is what recommendations do you have for listeners books 
artists mainly artists who do you think uh, we should follow what should we start with if what should i read what should i listen to oh, what art show should i <laughs> go to that sort of it's a really tough one really really tough it's like saying i love pani puri so try pani puri no that's not what i really want to do because i do understand that each of us engage with the arts that we want to um, in very different ways and that comes from who we are what our personality is what we like but i can only share what has inspired me and maybe some of the listeners may find that useful as music i i listen to a lot of sufi music i love that genre i love the the expanse and the freedom that exists in that music both in terms of uh, its musicality and in terms of its lyric this kind of like must must is the word like mm. you when you hear a must kalandar you know yeah. what that yeah. must is right it's a complete abandon it's a freedom it's um it's a feeling of not caring about who is thinking what somebody is saying not uncaring about this mundane world that gives me a lot of pleasure totally getting lost in it so uh, sufi music is something that i deeply uh, enjoy i watch a lot of coke studio especially the pakistan coke studio shows as are fabulous and i listen to a lot of indian folk music as well um especially uh, i'm crazy about kabir and any of the kabir traditions i love a lot especially prahlad singh tipania who is a wonderful kabir singer uh, from malwa in central india so so um kabir's poetry is uh, you know we all learned kabir's dohas when we were in school but that sort of stayed with me and especially after i started studying the ghatam uh, it became closer to me because you know after all the ghatam is a clay pot it's uh, it's actually not an instrument within quotes it's something that any child will also connect to it's just a drinking water pot for that matter of course it's made for music that's a different thing but if you just look at the ghatam um i've see i've experienced this in concerts children would just come up and say are you playing a water pot and they want to touch it and it's not like seeing a guitar or a veena which is like made as a musical instrument nothing of that sort the simplicity of this instrument and the fact that it is just pure clay it's pure earth uh, it's very close to a kabir thought because he talks about the body as being a, a matka the body is of course it's made of clay it's the earth and it's uh, it, the breath is the sound and the breath can go at any point you know like the ghada can break at any point so all these connections make me closer to kabir's poetry and the fact that he talks he, he has any number of dohas where he talks about the making of the pot which is actually the making of the human body normas you 9 months the the potter has taken to shape this pot and then it has gone into the fire and then it becomes a pot uh, which is uh, which yeah it's so deep and so profound it is talking about the body so all these thoughts come into my mind when i'm playing the ghatam you know for me it's uh, it becomes an extension of my body it's not like this is that and i am here and i am playing no it becomes a part of me and it's only kabir's poetry that helps me do that which is why um, i find yeah i find a deep connection with that yeah lots of yeah lots of people that i read but i'm especially uh, for my generally for my music and for my um, approach to life i read uh, ramana maharshi a lot i read the um, autobiography of a yogi mm-hmm. i think is some is a book that a lot of people would recommend it's one of the first that i read and it still made a huge impression on me um many of the the buddhist masters is again something that i um, read a lot um in the current times i am especially hooked to the uh, books by you all know harari i'm quite hooked to his books because i ha- i do have an interest in futures the different kinds of futures digital futures etc so i and this whole sci-fi kind of uh, feeling 
and that is there in all his books i deeply enjoy them i'm currently reading homo deus so um i'm not so much of a fiction reader but yeah i do read a lot of non fiction good, good recommendations and great note to end it on with although i honestly feel like there are so many things we could explore maybe another time uh, but anybody who meets sumana will get the first vibe you get is she's such a kind person so down to earth which is even i think i think it's something you you are special i know you although in gaps but i know you since school and there is something really very special about you anytime you meet anybody meets you i think the vibe we get is that you're so kind so down to earth you're so not a show off although you have so many accomplishments so it's great to talk to you thank you so much for making time for this sure thank you so much varsha i don't think uh, i would have shared so much if it weren't somebody like you a host like you and i really connect with you as like um, uh, we uh, i picked up that thread from 10th standard or uh, from <laughs> class 9 whenever <laughs> so thank you so, thank much. You so much for this yes. you too thank you so much thank you for listening please check out the show notes for more information if you have enjoyed listening please spread the word through socials if you have suggestions words of encouragement or any other comments please leave them on my social media thank you and namaskara Thank you.